Today's Bible reading is taken from Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 14, verses from 1 to 14. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There, in front of him, was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked them, If one of you has a child and an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they have nothing to say. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, Give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, Friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Hi everyone, it's Pastor James and I've got the joy of, of opening up God's Word from Luke chapter 14 today. How good it was last week to remind it of the beauty of rest. I want to thank Joel for coming and, and, and sharing with us. Um, and today what we're going to do is we're going to continue now for the, for the upcoming weeks. We're going to continue our sermon series in the Gospel of Luke where we journey with Jesus as he goes to the cross. And so this time we're going to look at journey in humility today from Luke chapter 14. Thanks for, for, for joining us. It's, it's, a, it's a moment for us where it, it is starting to get weary, it's starting to get tired. The, 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 the lockdown seems to be going on more. It's unsure of when it's going to finish. Really, there's this uncertainty of when we're going to be back in person here at Toongabi Baptist Church, and it can be overwhelming. But I want to encourage you that it's great for us to, today to open up God's Word. And I want to remind us that every time I hold the Bible in my hands and I read it, I'm convicted this is the Word of God. And it's important for us in this moment, more than anything, in, in, the, in all the voices that are around us, with everything that's going on, God is at work in us. And, and God works in us when we read his word he works in us through the preaching of his word and i'm convicted of that that right now we need this and so i encourage you to to listen and to hang in there now don't worry if your parents and, and your kids that they, they sometimes go crazy that that happens and it's okay don't stress about it it's okay sometimes if you don't hear the whole sermon 
God still works in us through his Holy Spirit. It's his word. And so I want to encourage you to hang in there. And it's important for us to do this. So let me pray as we come to God's word now. Father God, we're opening up your word now. And we want you to do a work in us. Help us to, to grow in us the, the hunger for it. Grow in us our attention spans to, to hang in there. Grow in us that muscle like it is when we run. That the more we do it, the, 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 the easier it gets. And so, Father, give us a passion for that. Lord, help me now. Guide my words. Um, Lord, may your spirit work powerfully in our life today through this passage. Amen. You know, in my early 20s, I found the sport of rugby. Now, I'm not talking about NRL. That's, you know, I'm talking about the sport of rugby union, and I loved the game. And as I reflect on those couple of years where I played rugby union for the Parks Boars, it's a time where I reflect. It's a time where I felt like I belonged. It's a time when you would run onto the field and you felt like you belonged there with your teammates. It was a time where you sat in the change rooms and you felt like you belonged. When you would meet up during practice, it's a place where you felt like you belong. We, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm safe to say that, that we love and we long and we yearn to be people who belong. We love that feeling. There's, there's something deep inside of us that loves community that loves to be connected and as we yearn to belong in social interactions there's things that we do in social interactions that sort of help us to belong things we do that may make us feel more cool or or make us fit in you know, you imagine having a barbecue with your, your workmates. You've started a new job. You're about a month in. They invite you over. and It's, bar it's a barbecue. And you're sitting there with the boys. And they're telling stories about their fishing days. We've caught this fish. We caught a flathead about this big. We caught a brim about this big. And you just come out with it, you know, because you want to impress. You want to belong. And you go, well, guess what? Two weeks ago, I went out fishing on the harbour and I caught a flatty. Hang on. I can get out of the screen that big. Yeah, it's an exaggeration, but you, you share that because you want to fit in. You're hanging out with the girls from church. You've gone down to Claudia Road, the pastor and pizza joint, and you're hanging there and, and you're chatting and laughing and, and people are sharing funny stories. And so for you to belong, you, you share a, you know, the, the funniest story and everyone just laughs and you, you feel like you belong. You know, you're a young adult and, and you're heading out with the young adults to have food and board games at someone's place. And so you're walking through the front door and they notice that you're wearing your new pair of sneakers. And you're like, yeah. They go, wow, have you just got a new pair of sneakers? They look so smick on you. And they go, but hey, look at that way you've done your hair. And you, and you feel like you belong. But as you feel like you belong, social interactions, dinner parties, at the footy, as you hang out with friends or as you come to church in the foyer, there is things in social interactions that we do that sometimes expose who we really are. So in, in our desire to impress at, at a, a function at work, at a dinner party with a few people sitting around you, you know half the people, you don't know the other half. And all of a sudden, to fit in, you, you, start, you start analysing the politics of Australia. You start to analyse the politics of America. You don't really know much about it, but you sound really good and everyone's nodding their head. And they go, yeah, yeah, James, you're so right. And then Bill says, oh, have you met Steve who's with us tonight? He's a political journalist. He's a political analyst. And then he just blurts out and he basically exposes you with his knowledge of this 
area and you go, oh man, he exposes, you know, exposes the folly. You, you thought you were, you, were, you were great at it, but it exposes. See, social interactions, yes, they're a place where we can feel like we belong, but we can do things and then all of a sudden situations arise that actually expose what's really going on in our heart. And as we come to the text today, in Luke chapter 14, there's a social interaction with Jesus. This passage is a passage about belonging. It's a passage about belonging. But it's also a passage that in this social interaction, Jesus is going to expose. Now, we all want to belong. But before we, we, we get into it, we need to set the context. But as we get exposed, can I tell you at the end, there's going to be good news. Because Jesus is going to, he's actually going to flip our whole worldview upside down in what it means to belong. So as we come to this dinner party in chapter 14, we actually need to know the context. Whenever we read the Bible, we need to know how it fits. And so the context is chapter 13, verse 23. Someone asked Jesus, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? How many people are going to be saved for your kingdom? And he said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to enter. He's talking about, well, not, not everyone's going to be saved. It's only going to, it's going to be a narrow gate. Surely the gate's religion, what I do. Or, or maybe surely that narrow gate, maybe it's my pride and my exaltation, getting to the front of the crowd. Or, or maybe surely it's my status. Maybe that's the narrow gate. We get to chapter 14, verse 1. Let's have a look at the setting. This setting that we find ourselves in. One Sabbath when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Now your translation might say dropsy. Now um, the NIV translates it well because dropsy is a condition where your body swells up. It has heaps of fluid and, and it blows. It's just really puffy. It's, it's a terrible condition. So that's the setting of this picture, but it's really interesting because as you read the details, it's, it's, it appears that Jesus is he's being set up. See, the Pharisees have obviously, on the Sabbath, they've invited him over for a meal. But it's also interesting that a man with dropsy, a person with dropsy is there. Think, Pharisees don't normally invite those kind of people over. But then also we can see that Luke, the narrator, he also says, but they're watching intently. See, these, this, this ruler of the Pharisees, this man of leadership, the elite class, he's, he's moved the, the pieces on the chessboard. He's moved them around to, to basically go, right, here we are, ready. We're going to pounce. We're going to see what Jesus does on the Sabbath. They're going to try and expose him. And yet Jesus, he, he sees the Son of God, the one who calmed the wind and the waves, the one who could feed 5,000, the, the one who could walk on water, calm the storm. It's, he's going to expose them by just a question. Look at verse 3. He, he asks the experts of the law. These are experts. They know God's word. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? Now, that's a very exposing question. And he's going to expose more of that as he has this social interaction over the next 14 verses. And so here's the question. What does this social interaction with Jesus reveal? What does it reveal about these Pharisees but, and the people at this party? But as we get that revealed, I can tell you something about it as well. It's going, to, it's, going to, it's going to expose us. And so what is the first interaction? Well, what does it reveal? It reveals the religion in them. But, but actually, let's put it out there front. It's going to re reveal the religion in us as well. 
See, religious people are deeply passionate for their cause. Religious people are deeply convicted about their cause. And the Sabbath was one of them, right? They made rule after rule after rule after rule after rule after rule after rule. They kept adding to it. And so eventually it got so far away from what the Sabbath meant. But they said, right now, here it is. We're going to fight for this cause. This is all that you can do on the Sabbath. They were saying, here, you must obey these laws. And, and so they were, we're going to see that they were religious hypocrites. Rule after rule after rule about the Sabbath. And they say, you must uphold this. And yet at the same time, they're saying, you can do no work at the same time. And yet when their donkey falls in a pit, they'll go and show compassion to their donkey. They're saying to, to Jesus, yeah, well, it's, oh, are you, you going to heal? And, and yet they're going to show compassion to the donkey. They're, they're actually, see, religion can lead us to hypocrisy. So if, if their cat got run over, they'd hop in their car and they'd put the sirens on and they'd, they'd beep the horn and they'd run at a thousand miles an hour whoo, to the vet. But if they saw someone who's got dropsy, you can't do that on the Sabbath. But if the cat got run over on the Sabbath, they'd be there. See, their religious hypocrisy was preventing them from showing mercy and compassion. Their legalism was preventing them from acts of mercy. Because they missed the point of the Sabbath. They'd lost what it meant. What a great sermon last week from Joel that reminded us so much about the Sabbath. J.C. Ryler, a pastor from the last century, he, he wrote this about the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man, for his benefit. Not for his injury, for his advantage. Not for his hurt. The interpretation of God's law respecting the Sabbath was never intended to be strained so far as to interfere with charity, kindness, and the real wants of human nature. That's what religion does. It, it changes things. But the Sabbath was never meant for that, to, be, <laughs> to prevent kindness, to prevent charity, to prevent real human need. And then Jesus, what does he do? He, 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 he asks a cracker of a question. He asks a question that's just going to expose and reveal and dig deeper. He asks him in verse 5, right, okay, well, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? Now, they're, they're stuck here because how are they going to answer? Because if they answer yes or if they answer no, it's going to put them in a pickle, right? Okay, so if one of you has a child, imagine you had a child and, and it fell in a pit, and are you going to help? If they said yes, well, the natural thing is, well, they've showed compassion and mercy to their child. Well, it's going, well, we, we, of course you can show it to the person with dropsy, abnormal swelling. But imagine if they said no. Oh, well, well if they were seen to say no, people would go, you don't even show mercy and compassion to his child. Your son's stuck there. You, 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 you want people to do this by law, but yet there's, there's hypocrisy. What does this social interaction at this dinner party reveal? It reveals the religion in, in them. It, it reveals religious hypocrisy. And yet at the same time, we, we do live in... Now, they won't see it as religion, but our world has this religious hypocrisy. Or there's this, this going, hey, we hold one thing up, but yet here it's different. Here's an example of it. Now, it is, it's a wonderful thing that our culture, it, it, it's, it's, it's standing up for the, for, the, for the integrity of women. It's standing up that they are equal to men. And, and Jesus was like that. He, he revolutionized that in his day of, of valuing women. It's a beautiful thing. 
And so as a culture, we're doing that. We're elevating and going, women are equal, which is a beautiful thing to do. But here's the hypocrisy, right? The papers talk about equality. They, they hold up going, we need to treat women better, and we do, right? But here's the hypocrisy, on the other hand. As I was watching media watch the other night on the ABC, over the, the last couple of months, regularly on page three of the Daily Telegraph, you know, one minute they're, they're holding up women are, are equal and they need to be shown integrity, they need to have value, and they do. But on the other hand, in page three, they have women clad in bikinis and just sort of, they're there to be perved on. They're there to sell papers. Do you see the hypocrisy there? Or, or, or maybe on a, a different level for us, we value from conception. We value the life in a womb. And so we stand up for pro-life. We, we, we petition for abortion laws. We, we, we petition against those things that, you know, because we value human life because God made people in his image and they are valuable. We do that. But then on the other hand, we, uh, during the week at our work, on our work site or in our business, OH&S and, and safety and, and really worrying about safety is just, it's just, oh, I won't worry about that. You know, on the one hand, we, we, we stand up for pro-life and yet you know, our church might go, you know, we're not worried about safety around here. Why should we bother with that? Hypocrisy. Or maybe someone, like he comes to church on a Sunday and he sits there and he sees someone else and says, oh, how dare you act and behave like that? That is inappropriate. And yet behind the doors, he's abusing his wife spiritually, holding back the finances yelling and saying, no, no, you're going to do what I want you to do. Hypocrisy. It's, 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 what does this social interaction of Jesus reveal? He, he reveals the religion in these, these people at this dinner party. But, but also, he's going to go to another scene. We're going to move on in, in the same setting, but there's a new picture. Because see, religion leads to arrogance. That's point two. What does it reveal? What's this social interaction of Jesus reveal? It reveals the arrogance of them. But we're also going to see that there's this arrogance in us. I, I love weddings. A couple of reasons I love weddings. It's a free feed and I love the speeches. I love going to receptions because it's, it's, I just want to know what I'm going to eat. I love to chat. I love to get to know people. And I love weddings. And so when I get to a reception, I'll tell you what I... One thing I do like about weddings. I like weddings when they don't have seating arrangements where you can sit wherever you want. Because you often get straight to the reception and you think, who am I going to sit next to? You know, and sometimes you go to a wedding and you have to sit with the really distant, long-lost cousin and aunt and, and you put on a table that you've got no idea and you think, I'm going to have no fun all night. Because you want, you, want, you want to go on the table with all the fun. I love weddings. Have a look at verse 7. Let's have a look at the scene. When, when he noticed how the guests... So he's serenading the social interaction. He, he, he notice how the guests picked the places of honour at the table. He told this parable. So he's, he's been watching what's going on and, and Jesus is going to make a few statements. He's going to share a parable to expose what's, what's going on. This, now what, what Jesus is about to say, it's, it's, it's unfamiliar to us. This, this picking the places of honour because in the, in the Aussie culture, we, we probably don't have that, this picture as much. But when Jesus walked on earth, and probably even a few centuries ago, you know, there was places to sit of honour. You know, in, in the ancient world, you know, if you say it's hypothetically, you're a businessman or you're, you're a politician and they're the, they're the guest of honour. They would hold a party and, and they'd set the tables up in a U-shaped form. 
okay, U-shape, and the and the special person would sit here, and then it would sort of you know rank down like this, bomp, 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 right, and 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 the closer you were, the the more exalted you were. And so picture this: imagine, you know, you, you, these men they turn up, these women turn up to this business party, and and they rock on in, you know, and 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 the bloke's got his suit jacket. And he needs the place. He wants to exalt himself quick. So what's he do? Snap straight in. He runs in. He gets his coat. We do this, don't we? And we put the coat down the chair to save it. He's got a place of honour. Or, you know, you, you see the, the, the main person. He's, gonna, he's got a good seat. And so you go get some drinks and some food and you take it to him and say, excuse me, sir, I've got a drink for you. And you start talking with him and you make sure you talk with him long enough till it's time for sitting. And he says, oh, why don't you come and, you come and join me? They wanted to exalt themselves. They wanted to have the place of honour. They wanted to be seen in this picture. But see, they're chasing position. Their ego is driving them for status. If I elevate myself, I'm going to be in. I'm going to belong. It's important to them to have a position of importance. It's important that they get a seat right up the front. And yet underlying this presumption, underlying this position is actually the value of superiority. It's the value of it. I'm more superior. And because of that, what that does is that it then means that they have to work to protect that position of superiority. And how do we protect that? Selfish ambition, selfish gain, exaltation in position. And Jesus, he exposes this thinking by telling a story and a parable about a wedding. Have a look. Verse 8. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honour, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat, and then humiliate it. Here, here's what Jesus is saying. You know, imagine you rock in, you get your coat down quick, you get the drinks to the bloke, and you sit down. And everyone walks in, the person walks, the honor guest walks to the center and you're next to them and, 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 and he says, or she says, um, excuse me, um, sorry, this is, this is not your place of honor. Um, please get up. Now, at this point, everyone else is sitting down. Everyone's eyes are on the, the honor, the guest of honor. And excuse me, sir, you, you're not meant to be here. And you walk the walk of shame right down to the end the lowest position humiliated and then Jesus he gives these words he teaches us but when you are invited take the lowest place so that when your host comes he will say to you friend move up to a better place and then you'll be honored in the presence of all other guests for all those who are exalted or for all those who exalt themselves all those who push up pride Arrogance will be humbled, and those who humble themselves, who stay back, will be exalted. Jesus exposes it's exposes the pride and the arrogance of these these people at this party, this meal. But we too can we can tell ourselves it's okay to have a little bit of pride. Because in a way, we've learned to develop that it helps us fit in. Yet have a listen to these words that I'm about to read of someone who has tried to fit in their whole life. 
and yet by world standards, by the everyday Aussie, by the everyday American, we would go, that person has everything. They have honor, they have position, they have status, they have wealth, and they are super cool, right? That's what the world would think. Have a listen to these words from Madonna in the Vogue magazine from a fair few years ago. Madonna says this, My drive in life comes from a fear of being mediocre. That is always pushing me. I push past one spell of it. I get through one of it and discover myself as a special human being. Woo! But then I feel I'm still mediocre and uninteresting unless I do something else. Because even though I have become somebody, I still have to prove that I am somebody. My struggle has never ended and I guess it never will. Profound words from someone who most of us go, people look up to and go, man, I wish I had some of those things that you had. Have you ever rejoiced? Have you ever rejoiced quietly in your mind when someone has a downfall? They've fallen from a position of authority that you wish you had. Have you ever resented someone else because they've got a position that you so desperately wanted. Uh, I wonder, do you give first preference to your spouse to the TV movie or the TV channel for tonight? Will you give them the first option or do you, do you allow your partner to choose where you go on holidays? Or maybe you're thinking to yourself, oh, phew, I'm, I'm not like, right, you know, fuel James, I'm... I'm not like those people who exalt myself. You know, I'm not trying to seek the greater table. Luckily, I'm humble. You know, like you know, we can have this sense of prideful humble. I want to ask this question: Have you ever, have you ever been asked to do something of a position, and your your first answer is always no? Oh, excuse me, Billy. We'd, we'd love you to step up and help lead this group. And your first reaction is, I'd love to do it. But no, 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 no. Sorry. So no, I'm not up for that. I'm not, I'm not gifted. I don't feel called. I don't feel like this. Second time, a week later, you get asked, hey, Billy, you know, we'd really love you to step up and help serve in this area. And you say, oh, no, sorry. It's, it's not for me. But, but deep down in your mind, you know that in, once you're asked a third time, guess what you're going to do? You're going to go, oh, okay, James. Okay. I'll, I'll do it. That's arrogance. That's pride. It's or, or have you ever <laughs> have you ever thought when you've gone to a wedding? Have you ever gone to a wedding and you get to the reception and all the seats are set out and you're there early and you've got your coat and you're about to put your coat down on your chair or your suit jacket down on your chair and you look at the names on your table and you go, I'm on this table and they've all been set out. And you think to yourself, hey, Dal, hey, sweetie, do you think we could move a few names around so I can go and sit next to that person? Because we think that person is of more value and it's going to get us further than the person that we're sat next to. We See, pride, it wants to elevate us so that we value ourselves more than we value others. And, and, and Adam and Eve, the, the, the Adam and Eve who were in the garden in the presence of God, they wanted to elevate themselves. 
maybe you're watching and you and you, and you you've joined us for the first time. You're someone who you know, yeah, I actually don't follow Jesus, but I want to find out more. Can I just remind you that you know, as this world chases to belong, as we chase to seek it in pride, and we as we ch- seek to chase it in religion, it's it's not meant to be like that. Because see, the heart of sin, the why we do these things, at the heart of it, it's pride. At the heart of it is that Adam and Eve wanted to elevate themselves and they said, God, no, we know better than you and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna rise to the top. But Jesus, hold with us if that's you, because in a few moments we're going we're gonna to see the beauty and the wonder of who Jesus is because he actually can turn that, he turns that around for us. But before we do that, we, we need to know that, that for all of us, listening for every one of us is listening whether we're a christian or whether we're not a christian it's it's actually about humility we need to be people who have been humbled i'm going to i'm going to quote jc ryle again because i think he 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 helps us know the 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 spring of humility Have, have a listen to this the root and spring of humility one word describes it the root of humility is right knowledge see these pharisees and those moments where we we get to the wedding and we want to change the tables around and the seats around it's actually a moment where we don't have right knowledge of god and right knowledge of ourselves. and to have right knowledge of who we really are we need to actually have right knowledge of god because as we understand who god is and his holiness we'll understand what he's created for us and it'll be in that right knowledge of god that we will be humbled as the apostle paul the the man who wrote the heaps of the new testament as he said i am the chief sinner he realized his sin because he understood who god was and for us at turn gabby baptist church the reason why we want to be people who are deep in the word of god is because the right knowledge of god produces humility it's the spring it's the fountain of it as we understand who god is and who we are because see people who chase position will never receive what they are craving but will one day be humiliated. See, they were elevating themselves, but verse 11 reminds us that there is a day coming. See, this, this parable Jesus is telling, there's a day coming where the, the, the guest of honor, which is actually going to be me, Jesus is going to come back and those who have exalted themselves will be humiliated. The arrogant will be humbled and the humble will be exalted. Oh wow! What was this? What's this social interaction with Jesus reveal with these Pharisees? Well, it reveals the religion. It reveals the arrogance, and finally, it reveals the status. See, surely, status buys us things. Surely it does. It gets us places. Have a look at verse twelve. Then Jesus said to his host, "When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not." Invite your friends, your brothers or your sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbours. If you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. I, I, yippee. Some of you might be going, yippee. And you say to your, to your wife, did you hear the words of Jesus? <laughs> hey, Dal, um, that means we don't have to invite your mother over for lunch. Or you, you say to your husband, hey, honey, you know what? Jesus is telling us that you know we don't have to have your brother and your, your sister-in-law over. Or if you're single, you think, man, Jesus is telling me, I don't have to invite my parents over for a meal. You know. Is, is it, now, 
That's not what Jesus is saying, of course. Is now, you could read that and go, Jesus is saying, don't have a meal with your parents. Gets away from having the mother-in-law over. But Jesus is not saying that because we see in other parts of the gospel, Jesus has meals with his family. So what is Jesus saying? Well, he's revealing a deep truth for us. Because there's benefits. See, having your mum and dad over, there's a benefit to it. There's a benefit to having the mother-in-law over, right? She watches the grandkids. There's a benefit to having them over because they're going to have you back over for another meal. When you have a rich neighbour come over, the rich neighbour's going to have you back over. There is a benefit to it. I wonder, have you ever been invited over to someone's place on a Friday night or maybe it's been after a church service and they've put on a beautiful feed. The kids have had a good time. You've had a great time and, and, and you leave the place and say, thank you so much for this wonderful meal at the door. You know what? Because you've done this, in a couple of weeks' time, we'll have you over. And so you hop in the car and you talk with the people in the car that you've done. You know, wasn't that a great meal? They did such a great job. We better make sure, make sure we ring them in two weeks because we've got to repay the favour. And in your mind, you're thinking, okay, we had a great meal. It was great. It tasted well. The lamb was beautiful. The rice was perfectly cooked. You think, but if I'm going to have them over, I better make sure I cook my best curry. And man, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have, it's just going to be beautiful. You know, or someone, someone gives you a birthday gift and it's worth about 20 bucks and you think, yeah, it's lovely, it's so much effort. And so you go, oh, I better make sure I put in my calendar that I'm going to make sure I send them a birthday gift, but you make sure it's a $40 birthday gift. But in this, in this social interaction at this dinner party with these prominent Pharisees in this house, Jesus knows that they will only invite guests who will be guests who will give them greater status. They're only going to invite people who are going to help them move up the ladder. They're only going to invite those who will repay them back. And you can imagine the silence in the room as Jesus speaks these words that he's about to speak, where you would hear a knife cut the air and where you'd hear a pin drop. Have a listen to these words of Jesus in verse 13. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And what the, the air would have been silent. Because as they looked around, guess who wasn't there? The poor, the lame, the blind. But who was there? Those who had status and those who would gain you status in the community. Do you ever reach out to those who don't benefit you? Have you ever had moments where you find yourself touching up photos so they look better, so that as you get them on Instagram, you're going to be noticed more? Do you, do you ever find yourself wearing designer clothes in a way with expensive shoes and nice sunny, sitting on the beach and, and, and looking there, anticipating how many likes am I going to get? And you come back 20 minutes, have I got more likes? Have I got more likes? Or I wonder, do you ever find yourself dressing? I'm not talking about it's good to dress well, right? But do you ever find that you dress in a way to impress, to impress you know, I want the blokes to notice me. So you wear, you wear some clothes so that you stand out. Or, or do you, you oh, I want the girls to think I'm pretty suave. Or do you dress in a way so that the people at church will go, oh man, I'm so glad you're wearing that. Or do you dress in a way so that it sort of looks, you know, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm, I'm elevated here. Or do you ever find yourself seeking the approval of others through conversation and being there for them? And so when you chat with people, you find it really hard to leave the conversation because if you leave, you feel like you're letting them down. See, what does this social interaction with Jesus reveal? What does it reveal about the Pharisees? 
It reveals the religion in them. It reveals the arrogance in them. And it reveals the status that they are so far seeking in what they do. And yet at the same time, Jesus, he, with these words of exposing them, I think he's cutting to our hearts as well. He's cutting to our hearts of the things that we do to try and belong. And through this dinner party, he exposes us. Because we can sometimes feel that, that, that we feel like we want to belong and so religion matters in that way. Surely if I look good, wear the right things to church, do that. Or surely if I exalt myself and have a position that will make me look better among others. Or surely I have a status where I, wanna, I need to seek the approval of those around me. But here's the flip side of this passage. Here is... Here's what Jesus is really trying to convey. Yes, he's exposing our hearts, but he actually wants to show us something so far much more glorious. Because what's the context of this passage? It's the narrow door. Who's going to be saved? And Jesus said, it's a narrow door. Because they thought religion brought salvation. They thought that arrogance and pride and elevating myself and buying my way and paying my way was the way through the door. No, says Jesus. That's not the narrow door. The narrow door is me. There's something so far much bigger going on. Because see, what Jesus wants to show you and me is that he's going to show us who belongs to the kingdom of God. Who really belongs. See, the Pharisees thought they belonged because of their religion, the way they upheld the Sabbath. See, the Pharisees thought they belonged because look at me. Look at the, I sit at the seat of honor, but you sit at the end. The Pharisees thought they belonged because of their status and that they were approved by everyone around them and they sought approval. Some of you believe, maybe you believe that you elevate yourself before God. That if you cross all your T's and dot all your I's, you will stand before God on that last day and he's just going to say, come on in. That won't happen. That's <laughs> what does the story say? You will be humiliated. But Jesus says, I am the door. Jesus is the way. We belong not because of us. We belong because of Christ. This passage is gospel rich. It is saturated and dripping in the grace of God. Because as Jesus exposes who belongs to the kingdom of God, he exposes, he exposes who belongs to it. And who belongs to it? It's those who realize that we are sick, just like that man with dropsy. That we are sick like him, helpless, and we are spiritually dead, and we need Jesus' compassion to restore us like he restores that man. Those who belong are those who realize it's we do not exalt ourselves. It's, it's those who realize we are the lowly who sit at the end of the table, who are not exalted by what we do, but it's all been done and exalted by Christ. That we also realize that we are just like those outsiders, the poor, the lame, and the blind, who have nothing, who, have, who, who don't seek the approval of others, but it's Jesus who pays the way. And that God approves us because of Jesus. How freeing that is for us today. How, how freeing that is for a teenager who's struggling with identity. How free that is for us as you, you go on Facebook and you don't have to check it every hour to see how many likes you've got. How freeing it is that we don't have to seek the approval of your peers and status. How freeing the kingdom of God really is. Because the kingdom of God belongs to those who know that they're unworthy. They're unworthy sinners before God who have put their trust in the mercy and the grace of God through 
Jesus Christ, who trust in Jesus Christ. See, this is a passage that is about humility. It's a journey to humility. And how do we learn to live like this? How do you learn to live with humility? It's the journey with Jesus. It's actually to look to Jesus. That's what it is. It's a right knowledge. It's coming to the foot of the cross. When we come to the foot of the cross, we sit there. As we come and we look and remember who Christ is, we know that we have no pride. We have nothing to bring. And we pour everything. We pour contempt on our pride. As we look at the cross, we realize we have done absolutely nothing to gain the kingdom of God. But we belong because of Jesus. Before you're exalted, you need to be humiliated. But what a great honor, what a great joy it will be for us to recognize that we belong because Jesus restores us. What a great joy it is to know that Jesus exalts us. What a great joy to know that it's Jesus who pays for us. Let's journey in humility. Because what a joy it will be. What a great honour it will be to have the King of Kings and to have the Lord of Lords say to you and to say to James at the end of the table, get up, get up and come and sit with me at the head. May we look forward to that day and may we journey in humility together. Amen.